Welcome to God's presence. Um, we'll continue with our study in the book of Acts. It has been such, you know, an interesting study all these weeks. We're going to be continuing with Acts 10 from um, verse 1 to 33. So please, hear me put it on the screen. Acts 10, 1 to, to, um, Acts 10, 1 to 33. All right. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' message, messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord. Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry 
for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you are looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was sitting, sorry, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where others were, assembled. Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this, time, this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers, prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's waiting in the home of Simon Etana, who lives near the seashore. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. This is just so, so intriguing for me and, you know, very humbling, just reading about it. You know, one of the first things that, you know, struck me was that God knows where we are. He knows where we are. The description, the narration of how to find Peter. You know, so because sometimes we do things and we think God doesn't know where we are. He knows exactly where we are. Exactly. If GPS can help you to find places, who is the originator? Who gave the idea? You know, God's own GPS has name. You know, I, I mean, um, I've experienced it where, I think we were in a crusade, where um, I think it was the Geo, he started calling names. Ah, I said, God, my sins. My sins, Lord, forgive me. God knows people's names. He started describing, he described a girl, what she was wearing and called her name. Say Esther. I say, hey, Father, forgive my sins. You know, it's just so amazing. Look at um, Cornelius here. Say Cornelius was a Roman army officer. We'll just be taking it. So I have here the introduction um, um, from verse one, one to two. 
Secolinius was a Roman army officer, a captain of the Italian regiment. He was devout, God-fearing God man, as was everyone in his household. He, was, he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly. I mean, this is somebody's CV. This is the introduction of somebody. How, how will God introduce me? How will I be introduced? When they call your name, what goes with it? Every time I'll be waking her to pray, she will not pray. Even when I speak to her, say, she does not answer. She's never obedient. You know. She doesn't lead her, her children in the way of the Lord. What is God saying about us? This is so, so humbling. I will just um, focus on the God-fearing part. So it says that Cornelius was a God-fearing man. And his entire household, your household, they didn't say only his immediate family. Your household includes your, your nanny, if you have a driver, if you have a cook, um, what are the other people? Uh, gardener, washerman, if you have uh, extended family, you know, then some, you know, friends that are now family. That is your household. So the Bible says his whole, whole household feared God. And it had to be because of the influence of, of Cornelius. So the Bible says that he was a God-fearing man. I just have a few characteristics here of who a God-fearing man is. If you're not a man, you're a woman. So I would just be saying man, but you know, you just receive it. You're a man in the spirit. Okay? So characteristics of a God-fearing man, I have like 12 of them. We'll just run through it. It says, number one, always puts God first. Always. He doesn't second guess. He knows that God is first. He's responsible. God has called him to be a leader to his family. He takes care of everything under his jurisdiction as his home. He takes responsibility for his action. He admits his mistakes and tries to be a better person. He's a responsible person. He's humble. This is such a remarkable characteristics for every godly man. He's not boastful or see himself as higher than or better than any other person. He's a man that shows mercy. A godly man is a man of mercy. He shows compassion everywhere. We, we, we read about it. He shows compassion to the poor. He helps when, you know, he sees a need that he can meet. Does not hold a grudge. He's not bitter. Willing to forgive. We learned that uh, Pastor Onuzo. Ready to forgive and to restore. He's someone that is persevering. He doesn't give up easily because he knows the God that he serves. He's ready to hold on to God's word no matter how long it will take. He's honest. 
he's trustworthy. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of his word. When he says he's coming, he's coming. When he says he's going, he's actually going. So remember what we're talking about, characteristics of a God-fearing man, a God-fearing person. He's teachable. He's willing to learn from others. He doesn't know it all, never claims to know it all. I don't know how, you know, we can get to that point where we think we cannot learn again. When we stop learning, we start dying. Because we even know the way the new, uh, you know, everything is, there's always something new to learn. By the time they are bringing out another phone, there's something new to learn in that phone because you have never finished learning the one in the old phone. There's something to learn all the time. So we should have a teachable spirit. We should be ready to receive. He's generous, like we've just talked about. He sees himself as a channel of blessing. He loves peace. Doesn't like problem. Seeks peace in all his relationships, in all in his household, when they come to his house, some people, when you, when you enter their house, you know the temperature is high, you know. So a God-fearing man, a God-fearing woman will seek peace. There should be peace in your home, peace amongst your children, peace all around you. Everywhere you go, you carry the peace of God. He has a pure heart. He has a pure heart. He's fruitful in Christ. Manifest the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of them. And he loves unconditionally. I mean, I think this list can go on and on and on. But this just tells us that to be God-fearing is not just one word. It's not just one word. What does it mean to be God-fearing? This is what should follow. Hallelujah. Amen. So remember, if you have questions, those online, you can, you know, prepare them. And if you're here, you can write your questions. And you can also prepare to ask physically when it's time. So um, we're going to read Acts 10, 3 to 6. I'll read it. Please, can you put it up on the screen? Acts 10, 3 to 6. Okay, it says, um, one afternoon, after, okay, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius started, stared at him in, in terror. What is it? He asked the angel. And the angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon Etana, who lives near the seashore. Okay, hallelujah, hallelujah. So we've read that. I call this part the vision. The vision. You know, when um, um, Cornelius had that encounter, I'm sure you'll be wondering, who knows my name? Your name is known. I think you should just tell yourself, tell yourself, my name is known. My name is known. We are being discussed. What are they discussing about us? Uh, 
The angel called him Cornelius. That's they know him. It's not a mistake. This message was not an error. It was directly, directly for him. It's humbling to know that God is watching us. Everything we do, every step we take, every offering we give, every sacrifice we make. Sometimes we think we are giving the offering to, to the church. It's not to the church. It's to God. And he's taking notes. He's taking records. He said that his prayers have been, you know, received as an offering. Our prayers are an offering to God. Because our prayers are also sacrifices. So we cannot just live, you know, absent-minded. We have to be conscious about everything we do because God knows and God sees us in every corner that we think he doesn't know about. Prayer is so key. It's in that place of prayer that Cornelius encounters God. A lot of us, we are looking for change. We are looking for something, you know, to shake the earth. We are looking for some thunder and lightning somewhere. But the answer is in our prayers. The answer is in our place of devotion. In the place where we come to God. Consistently, not when we remember. You cannot want to get the blessings of God and be acting like you're in the world. You're doing everything the worldly way, but say you, say, you now say, God, bless me. Bless what exactly? We have to be in line. We have to be in tune. We have to be aligned for us to receive from God. Hallelujah. The place is too quiet. Too. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you still there? <laughs> ah, I was just so humble. I said, God, so you are, you are watching me like this. You are seeing everything there. Eh? Yeah, so you see all my offering. Even the one we know complete, you see her. Eh? You know, he's such a merciful God. You know, he's a merciful father. Ah. You know, look at the report about Cornelius. Look at the report. His environment attracted God attracted God's presence. How do we create our environment? Are we always complaining? Nothing is ever good. Are we always living in doubt? Ah, eh, God did it for her. Thank God for her. I don't know if God can do it for me. Hmm? Are we always ungrateful? I don't think any angel can come in that kind of situation. You can't even receive any message from God. When everything that God has done, you cannot remember. We have to be grateful. We have to be consistent. We have to be committed in our prayer, in our devotion, in our worship, our sacrifice to him. And that is where God can bless us. That is when God will draw nigh to us. If we have been doing things that have been driving God away from us and we are wondering why are things like this, let's start being thankful. Let's start being grateful so that we can have an encounter 
with God that can change our lives for good. Hallelujah. Amen. So God values our prayers. God values what we bring to him. It counts before him. We'll read verse 7 to 8. 7 to 8. Okay. Say that as soon as the angels was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. That's verse 8, eh? You know, what is your relationship with your, with your servants? Have you influenced them enough for you to trust them? I mean, this was, I mean, this was an encounter that Cornelius had. And the instruction was that, oh, get your, you know, send three people. He, he thought of two of his servants, his personal attendant. It shows the kind of person that Cornelius was, that he can trust his servants. What do we do with the people that live with us? What do we do with them? If they see anything going wrong, you know, that they can help you, will they help? How have you treated them? Would they, would, would they respond? They could have said, oh, oh God, this message, you they send us where we never go before. And you know, we, we are Gentiles, they, they are Jews. It's like a very difficult assignment. But they trusted the man. They trusted the God that he said. And they knew that if he, if he had told them that this is what God said, that means God has already provided. That means God has already made a way. You know. So we should think about our relationships. The people that live with us, do they trust us? Are we a blessing to them or they're just, they can't wait to leave our presence? We had, we had an incident um, last year, you know. I, I was really so thankful to God because I saw, I saw my nanny, the other domestic workers, people outside, everybody rallying. I said, hey, so if I'm a wicked person now, nobody will come and serve me. It's true now. That woman, we know they're a great person. That woman, when they if they pass, she they slap you. They won't come. They won't help you. I mean, it was it was a case of our house going to burn down. Everybody was rallying. I said, "Wow, everybody!" I said, "This thing no even consigned them." But there was already a connection. When you treat them well, when you show kindness, you show love, you get it back, even in ways you don't expect. Then another remarkable thing here was the prompt response. Like Pastor talked about, I think on Sunday, when, when we are given an instruction, we start to analyze. We analyze, analyze, analyze until we are now paralyzed. The Bible says that as soon as the angel 
left. He went into action mode. There are so many things that God has, you know, placed in our hearts. He has given us instruction on what to do, but we are just, we, we, we can say, ah, God, this message is very good for Brother Labajau. It's just that he would, he's such a canal brother, he will not be able to receive. But you, who told you you are not the person that the message is for? God has said so many things, but we're not doing anything about it. We can see that immediately he went into action. Sometimes we feel that God has to come and think some things for us. That means he would have made our head empty. No need for brain. God has given us a brain for a purpose. When he gives us a vision, he gives us an instruction, he expects us to think, to act, to see that, that vision he has shown us. Cornelius would have just, you know, he has already envisioned everything. Okay. Uh, I know the, the servants I'm going to send. Oh, this is my personal assistant. Okay. Um, yes, this is what they will do. The brain was working. Please let our brain work. And let's stop blaming God for everything. Let our brain work. Pastor even said when we were praying on um, the Thanksgiving um, service that when the prophet chewing the, the um, axe head and the, the stick floated. That'd be something if there was a floating shot, you know. <laughs> Say, grab it. You would have been waiting, oh, yeah, let it float to me. Since it's God that has done it, let it be floating now. God, you know you are a miraculous uh, father like that. Let it float. That is where pastors say we should pray for common sense. Hmm. I don't even know why it's called common sense, but it's never common. But you know what? It's actually so common that we commonize it. We don't think that this is the solution. You know. Say, grab it, not wait and look, not pray and shout hallelujah. Grab it, make a move, do something. So please. You know, for some days now, I've been doing some less talking and more thinking. Thinking is not worry, not sitting down and be lamenting about why you are this age. No. Thinking. Thinking. You know, if God has placed things in your heart, you have to think, think, think. Okay, Father, what do you want me to do? Do you know your 24 hours can be even more productive than it has been if we do some less talking and some thinking and some action? Because when you think, the Bible says that as far as, you know, you can see. He wasn't just saying about the eye. Your brain, you have to think to see. You know, so what, okay, I want to, um, I want to see what's now. I want to see if there's traffic on the road. How do I see it from here? Don't I? I start to imagine it. So, ah, mm. I want to, oh, you want to see something. You have to think about it first. 
So things that we want to see, we have to start thinking about them. We have to start thinking and acting on them. So please, there's always a window of opportunity. And the window can close. Whatever God is saying to you, whatever God is speaking to you at this moment, don't start overanalyzing. Just make a move. And you see, when, when you make that move, when God has spoken, you know, when God speaks, things change. Things change. After that angel arrived and said that message, things started entering into motion. Because God knows that if they meet Peter how he is, there's no message that they will tell him that he will agree. He's not going to, he will not come. He will not come. He will just tell them, God has not told me. God has not told me. So once the angel came and Cornelius started walking, everything started falling into place. God had to give him his own vision. And his own, as he's stubborn, they had to show him three times, Abby. Three times. Even by the third time, when he woke up, he was still, say, can this be God? Still contemplating. You know. So when God speaks, things happen. Impossible people become possible. You know. Impossible situations just start aligning in your favor. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm just so excited. I'm really so excited. Let's not take, you know, sometimes, okay, um, Cornelius would have said, ah, but this is a messenger of God. A messenger of God is from God. He carries God's word. So we shouldn't take it lightly. The words we, we hear here, they are from God. You will say God should wear white cloth and come. It's God's word. So we should run with the word. The word is powerful, able to change our circumstance, our situation. Hallelujah. Amen. So we'll move on. Move on. Um, now we get to Peter's own trance. You know. God has a sense of humor. Peter had to be hungry to get him into that dream. You know, he had to be hungry. You know, and you know, God knew his need at that point. Sometimes our need, we already have the answer of how God we are, God will do it for us. We we are in need though. We are hungry, but we are going to tell God, say, no, no, this one, this is not the food that I want. This is not how I want it. But God knows that this is what you need. Peter slept and saw those so-called uh, unclean animals. And he was even arguing with God. Say, God, no. Peter, holier than God, holier than. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. You know, God just used that. You know, but by the time he woke up from the dream, still contemplating, 
The Holy Spirit spoke to him again, number four. Say, look, there are people that are here. They have come for you. That when you see them, you know, don't argue with them. I sent them. Follow them. He did not follow. Did he follow them? He said, come and sleep first. He was supposed to follow immediately, but you know God now, God's ways. God just allowed him. Said, this, I know this is much for Peter. Let him sleep over it, but he's going. You know. So by, by the next day, when they were going, he was still going with a chipo when he reached the house of Cornelius. And the way he introduced himself, maybe before we get there, you know, this anticipation that Cornelius had that, look, God has answered my prayer. God has great things in store for me. He didn't keep it to himself. The Bible says that he went and called his close friends. Who are your close friends? So, who are your close friends? Are they going to come for God to do it again or they're going for you to do it again somewhere? <laughs> who are your close friends? Cornelius called his close friends and said, oh, this is what God is about to do. This is God spoke to me. We're expecting somebody that God told me about. That means God has a message for me. Anticipation. We have to anticipate God. We have to, there should be an excitement. No over-familiarity. No over-familiarity with God. Because God is always doing it again. Somebody will say, ah, but he did it again. He, we do it again. There's no end in God. So that anticipation, he called his people. So please, so don't come to God to do it again alone. Bring people. God has a message for us. This is our turning point season. And things will turn. Things will turn for us. So please, connect. Don't take the word for granted. Things are, in short, once the word, like I said, once the word has gone forth, things are falling into place. Those doors that you have been knocking, go there. The door don't turn, it don't open. Go there. God is walking, you know. So that was how, when Peter came, a whole Cornelius, you saw the introduction, is a, um, an Italian regiment, is a this, is a that, is a that. All those things don't come before God. He fell down on his face, worshipping um, Peter. Peter said, I beg, stand up, stand up. Like, before God will strike me, stand up. I'm just a man like you. A lot of us, small things, small vision, we'll see, small vision. We are accepting worship. We are accepting, uh, see mm-hmm. visionary. Mm-hmm. You are collecting it. We should be careful. May God not slap us. You are collecting praise. Even if they are not falling down, you are receiving the worship. I mean, you know, social media now, I know they hide. We have seen um, um, some so-called um, stuff where men of God are marching people. Which one? It's things like this when we don't know where to draw the line. 
as simple as, you know, there was one, somebody was praising, praising. I think it was me and Pastor B. The person praised us, praised us, praised us, praised us. They shout the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. Which kind of, what kind of praise is this? You know? Looking at us to receive the praise. We cannot receive the praise. We can't receive the praise. If we do like this now, tomorrow morning we wake up, we know feet talk. We are the best uh, singers in the world. We are receiving the praise, receiving the praise. We have to be conscious. We should never receive praise. We should remember who we are. We are God's children. And it's only God that deserves all the praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's give him glory. Let's give him glory. Hallelujah. This chapter, no one finished. I think I have to, if you have questions now, please, you can bring them in. I'm sure Papi's here, so we'll continue the discussion. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> So is Papi here? Yeah, okay, okay. All right, so while we're waiting for pastor, if you have questions, please send them in. Um, those online and those here in the auditorium, don't hesitate, okay? So um, while we're waiting, um, there's this um, best way. I'm here. Hello, Papi. <laughs> I can't see you. Can you see me? Uh, not now, but I can hear you. Okay. Welcome. Happy <laughs> to have you. <laughs> uh, this has been such an interesting, you know, interesting chapter. Yes, I was carried away by your teaching. I forgot I was supposed to come on. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, sir. I was supposed to stop, Seth. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, sir. So, um, I just have some questions, you know. Why was it Cornelius that was chosen? Why was Cornelius the one? You know, because the encounter with Cornelius, you know, is, is, is like a, I don't know, there's a change, you know, a new dispensation happening with Cornelius. Why, why Cornelius of all people? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to know why God chooses people, you know. I'm sure that if we were to do if Cornelius was to do an election, in his, <laughs> he may not have won, <laughs> you know? But you highlighted some um, properties that yeah. we see, that we can see in Cornelius. And, um, and the fact that the, 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 the most significant one for me, for God choosing him, would be the fact that he could command his household yeah. after God, yeah. you know? And that is one trait that is consistent with Abraham. Mm -hmm. You know, God chose Abraham because God said, this one mm -hmm. will 
command his household yeah. after me. Mm. You know, so um, I would say that um, since that is a quality that is consistent with Abraham, and God chose Abraham out of a whole um, race, human race, you know, to be the person that will work with him for the covenant he wanted to do and for Christ to come. And Cornelius, you know, also had that going. So, you know, influencing your house and your home and your children after God is is big. Yeah, so I, I would say that that yeah. probably counted for him. Okay, I think I also want to add that, you know, his friends, you know, he was able to influence his friends and he was also a man in authority. So if, if God choosing Cornelius, he knows that this one that has, that is, you know, we know him as what he is, you know, a man that is devout to God, a man that serves God and has commanded his, you know, household to serve God, he will also be an influence even in the marketplace, in his, in his, um, um, in the whole regiment, the Italian regiment, when Nauga has fallen under the anointing, when he has received, you know, ah, this Nauga has received, we have to receive it all. And he will have, I think he will also have influence, you know, and God wants people that are going to talk about him in their, in the marketplace, they are living the same, you know, holy life even at home. Not that you are holy only in church. You are holy at home. Your wife knows that you are holy. Your children know that you are holy. Not only pastor in church, you know. So I think his life of influence too, you know. Are you there, Absolutely. I, I, no, no, no. I agree with you. Yes. Those are the things that actually created the influence he had. Uh, those are the things that created the influence he had, yeah. So, yeah, yeah big. May I have a question now? Okay, there's a question online. Okay, all right, go ahead. Good evening, Pastor Nina. Good evening, Papi. Good evening, everyone. Okay, so Hi. far we have seven questions. Hey, let's jump. <laughs> okay, so... The first question um, says, as a millennial, how can you ensure your entire household is God-fearing? Because these days, it's hard to find millennial marriages that are, that are both God-fearing. God millennial, how old are they? <laughs> Millennials are those that are born from 1989 um, to 19 um, to 2005. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm almost a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Pastor, do you want to go? No, 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 go ahead. I mean, give it a shot. Mm. Repeat the question. <laughs> As a millennial, how can you ensure your entire household is God-fearing? Because these days, it's hard to find millennial marriages that are God-fearing. Hmm. I think that's um, a very big generalization, a very big, you know, a wide 
conclusion. And um, a lot is going on these days in the world. And like I said before, that many people want the blessing of God, but they're living for the world. You know, you want a good marriage, you want a strong home, you want a good foundation, but what principles are you living by? What do you stand for? First of all, where did you people find yourself? If you met her on the road, she will go back to the road. If you met her in the club, she will go back to the club. Yeah, you may have maybe met her in a meeting or something and all that. I'm just it being figurative, you know. The foundation is important. Marriage is not for children. That's why I wanted to be sure of the age. Marriage is not for children. Marriage is for people that are mature and are ready to take up responsibility. Not people that are waiting for, for people to do everything for them. Marriage is about sacrifice, you know. Marriage is, I mean, you should be ready to, to be the one to be in the shadows. You know, you should, you, should, you should be comfortable to allow the other person shine without wanting to compete with the person. You know, these days, it's all about self. Everything, self, selfie, self this, self, 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 self. You know, ah, you bumped, you bumped into my, this thing, yeah, yeah, you know, it's all about self. Marriage is not about self. It can never be about self. Uh, you know, you know. Uh, so that's the way, that's the way marriage can last. You should be able to, you should be ready. You should be ready to, to see the other person, you know. You should prefer the other person, you know. Most times, people, people want to be living another kind of life than when they enter marriage. They now want to be perfect. No, no, no. It's the life that you're living now. It's the life you're living now. That's the life you're going to carry into marriage. It's the life you are living now. I remember clearly when, when I was um, yet to get married, in my mind, preparing to get married before I even knew anybody that was going to marry me. You know, but I was preparing myself that, okay, so I'm going to be staying with somebody. That means some of all this my nonsense, he has to accept it. That means I have to accept his own nonsense, you know. You start to prepare your mind, you are not perfect. So why are you expecting the person that is coming to be perfect, you know? Why are you expecting to be perfect? So if you want a good marriage, you know, because I know when, just before I got married, I had some funny relationship. No matter, you know, there are some things God is telling you no, you are saying yes. He's telling you it's not this one, you are saying God, see it from this angle, you know. He said, this is not what I'm bringing for you. He said, Father, look, just look at it now. Look, stay this side. He can be the one. He can be the one. And God is telling you in your mind, you know that this is, God is giving you warning. You know? So me, I kept pressurizing God is the one, is the one. When my father saw him, I did not talk to my parents, I think for like three months. The things my father told me, Say this is not my son-in-law. I said, what do you mean? I said, if I don't marry this person, I'm going to die. He said, you are not going to die. God will give you. 
God will give you. God will give you your own. This one is not your own. So, you know, it was quite turbulent for me, but I listened to my parents. The guy himself, he dumped me. You know, I cried, 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 cleaned my eye, looked at myself in the mirror. You, are you ugly? No. You are, you are filled with the spirit of God. You're a child of God. You are fine. Wipe your eye. And you did not die. I did not die, oh, Pastor. So that was how I now deliberately prayed and I said, I said, Father, whoever you are bringing, let him come and say he does not want to be doing boyfriend, girlfriend without direction. That he will just say, I want to marry you. That is my mission. I want to marry you. I will. <laughs> I forgot all the prayers that I prayed. I prayed about it. I wrote out my children's name. I don't know the name I called them, but I wrote out four names, you know, four children, and put it. That was in Shiloh and Ark of Covenant. I went there, prayed, though, put it inside the Ark. So when he now came, I now told him, I said, Look, this is where I'm coming from. This is what I've been preparing for. These are the rules. He was looking at me. Hey, he's here. He just walked in. I said, these are the rules. I say, before we hear, I say, no kissing. No, this, no holding. It's a holy, we are going to lay a holy foundation. He has entered. We are going to lay a holy foundation. You understand? So it was deliberate. That look, this is how we, because we are not just doing boyfriend and girlfriend to waste time. We want to build a marriage that will last. So yeah. that foundation, deliberate. Say, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, Pastor Lina, you didn't tell us now. When he came, he, ah. he did not. <laughs> Pastor, no. there are six more questions they want to ask. <laughs> we can talk about that off camera. Uh, I already know the story, don't worry. Uh, he, he told me himself. <laughs> oh, so. Auntie Debbie, have the questions reduced? <laughs> One more is coming. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. All right, so let's okay, get on. Question two says, how do we strike the balance between leading by example, compelling my household towards the kingdom, and at the same time, not being imposing? Well, I think it's similar to the, to the first question. Um, and, and the truth is, <laughs> there is no way you will not um, um, appear imposing. If you want to, you cannot run your home without rules. Mm. You know, if you say to your teenager, you get into this house by... 8 p.m. and he wants to come in at 11 p.m. Hmm. and you say no you come in by 8 p.m. and he says oh you're a tyrant you're a bully you are you are abusing me yeah i mean yeah so those are the words that are being used today to manipulate parents or 
family leadership into to shame them, you know, so that they align. But we are not supposed to conform. Mm. So, so um, the, the, the key thing is, while everything should be done in love, while everything should be done in love, you have to be clear on what, um, what the objectives are. Like Pastor Nina said, she was entering a relationship, she was clear, no kissing, no touching. <laughs> but, but, um, and and all that you have to be clear on what the what the what the rules are what the rules of engagement are this is the family this is how we are building now if that is what has been interpreted as being imposing then it's okay to be imposing however um everything must be done in love yeah now now, um, on the other hand, when you don't have a clear vision for the family, then you begin to react to everything. When you don't have a clear vision, when you have a clear vision, the vision guides you. The vision guides you. You know, I was watching a, a, a documentary, it was not a documentary, an interview, you know, of a teenager. Uh, the guy was about 17. And it was... Um, he had to pay back some money to his parents. And the, and the person that was like a counselor was saying to the, to the teenager, maybe 17-year-old boy, you pay back this amount every month. Do you have some money saved up? The, and, and the boy said, yes, he has some money saved up. And the teenager said, I mean, the counselor said, be, be truthful, tell me how much it is. And, and the teenager said, I have 44K saved up. And the counselor said, you, had, you have $44,000 saved up. I said, yeah. So the, the parents must have been training him to, to, to save. It, you, don't, you don't have children that save $45,000 at, at 17 years old by accident. You, they were, and at the time of training, they may appear um, to be like hard to be Things you, your friends are buying new shoes, new Nikes, you know, you are saving, you are investing. It's not cool. It doesn't appear, you know, they are buying new trainers for parties, you know, you are still wearing the one you wore, you know. <laughs> I say, okay, so Pasanina, uh, finish it up. Um, just like what you said, I think, you know, having a vision for how your home will be, how your home should be, how you want to train up your children is very important you know and one of the things that came to my mind while studying this you know that the vision that God gives us it's is much bigger you know has a much bigger purpose than just ourselves you know you're training that child not just because of himself person is going to have children the person's children is going to have children you know I mean I remember very clearly we hated there was one bell my father used to ring I said what kind of bell is this six o'clock you'll be hearing bell you know and you must come out you must pray your name is on the or it's on the roster if you are taking the praise if you are leading the if you are going to share you know something you must appear you know and we are thankful for it thankful for it so we shouldn't allow this our which what do they call them now is it gen z or which age are they now oh that would want to confuse us. You're a bully. Mm. I say, I'm a bully for the Lord. 
Hmm. Receive the message. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Receive the message. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, God. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Auntie Debbie. Yes, ma. <laughs> Question three. Sometimes we lead by example in silence because of timidity to speak. What does commanding your household in the way of the Lord look like practically? Um, I think it's, it's, it sounds similar. You know. Similar, and um, sorry if, I'm a, if I can butt in, and it's, it is similar so that we can get to the other questions. Um, the key thing, it looks like this. You must have a vision. You must have an, an overriding vision. Like um, Pastor Nina said, 6 a.m. is prayer time. You are going to hear that bell. There's a rooster. The vision is clear, you know? So you must have a vision. It must be communicated. It must be clear. It must be done in love, and it must be enforced. And things that are enforced sometimes can be seen as, um, as, as tyranny, but, you know, it isn't. Okay. Question Thank four. You, Thank you, sir. Yeah. How do we differentiate between not receiving praise and being snobbish? Hmm. Happy you're smiling. Let you talk. <laughs> I, mean, I think you should. I think you should tackle it. I probably will chime in at some point. But go ahead. So not receiving praise and what? Being snobbish. Some people. Some people want to put you in trouble. People want to put you in trouble. So don't fall for that trap. Before that moment, were you snobbish? Before that moment of the, without you, this world cannot move. Were you snobbish? We have to be clear, you know, and we shouldn't, I think sometimes we are too sentimental. I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Peter was entering that level. He said, how can you die? He switched. Jesus switched immediately from you are the rock of this to you are a devil. <laughs> immediately. So we shouldn't allow people derail us out of, you know, the path that God is taking us because we want to make them feel good. You know, want to make them feel good. Then in the night, the Spirit of God will not allow you to rest. You know that thing that you did you have sinned, you know. Yeah, the Spirit of God, we will convict you now. He will, you know. So we should be careful and we should be mindful how we live and how we interact with people. Some people don't even mean what they say. They are either making mockery of you, just trying to flatter you, deceive you, and tell you you are the most beautiful in the whole world. Even you, you look at yourself, you know that, eh, I'm beautiful, but in the whole world, I don't know about that right now. You know? <laughs> so I think... Who they laugh like this? It is serious. <laughs> okay, okay, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Nina, I mean, I mean, um, just to add to what you have said, what you have said is spot on. You know, just to add to it would be um, the fact that if you live long enough, mm -hmm. you will know that mm -hmm. you cannot even rely on the on any I'm, man's I'm praise. Old. It's not about being. It's not about being humble. It's about having common sense. Mm. People that will say to you, oh, papi, oh, yeah, we die with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, Pastor Nina, Sir? everywhere you go, you know. Didn't Peter say we die with Jesus? Hmm. 
did he, did he not did he, the same if Jesus had been relying mm. on the praises of Peter to fuel his tank you can't rely on the praises of men to fuel your tank you must be able to go to the audience of one to God and let God be your source Hallelujah. alone yeah. men are So what men say or not doesn't matter, you know? So it is not even about being humble. It's about having sense, you know? You know? <laughs> it's about having common sense, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Question yeah. five. How can someone differentiate between when the Holy Spirit is talking to him from his own thoughts? Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you before? Before you can differentiate. There should be something for you to even know. You know, like Pastor always says it, you know, when um, even in the midst of a crowd, if your father calls you, you will know. So what makes you know? The relationship. Oh. So it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not lightning, it's not thunder, it's nothing spooky. It's the relationship. The Holy Spirit can even speak through your child. <clears throat> he can even speak through your child. You know? So but when, you, when, you, when you listen to your child, you know that this is the Holy Spirit. Oh. So it's not all those things we like to imagine in our head. Is the relationship. He can speak to you while you are even maybe looking at your laptop for something. You just read it. You know this one is, this one is Holy Spirit here. I mean, there were so many things <clears throat> as I was praying, you know, just to come up. Things were just entering my head. I said, I've not thought about this thing before. This one, there's no question. This one, the Holy Spirit. No question. It's Holy Spirit, you know things that were coming to my head just re relating to what we are studying today, you know, that Jesus had been introducing the new, <clears throat> the new dispensation all along, all along, talking to the Samaritan woman. It's not, it's, it's not what they do, you know? So Peter would have been looking at it and say, this, this man, you're talking to this woman, you know? The way he, he, the way he forgave the, the, the lady that committed adultery, it's not what they do. So it's a new order. I never think this kind of thing before as I said again. As I was just praying, I said, oh, okay. So that means because of the tradition, I mean, the, the, like I was, Discussing with my sweetie, you know, traditions of men are so strong, so strong with the three years that Peter was even working with, with, um, working with Jesus, you know, God still had to send that thing three times, you know, it's, it was, this was part of them, these were the laws that they are used to, you know, so the Holy Spirit is, is not a ghost, he's, he's a person. And we get to know him through relationship. 
Praise God. Amen. Debbie, next question. Okay. Aye. Okay, question six. Is it the last one? No. Ah, we okay. have up to nine. Ah, ah. Yes. Oh, yeah, we bring in them. <laughs> what can truly be qualified or defined as an offering to God? That sounds like a pastoral question. Papi. Go ahead. What can truly be qualified and defined as an offering to God? Yeah. Yes, sir. An offering to God is, I mean, what you what you bring to Him. I mean, um, it should cost you something. There should be there should be certain criteria for it. It should cost you something. It should be meaningful to you. It should it should I mean I mean come from a willing heart, a cheerful heart, um, because you know God loves a cheerful giver. It can it can it can cost, but you should be cheerful about it at, at the same time. Um yeah, so those are the pointers, but it's something that comes from you to God, yeah. Okay, question seven. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. How many men in total did Cornelius send to Joppa? Why send such number of people if one could have carried our assignment? The person didn't he read the scripture. It says send some. Some. Some is not one. So there's, there, I mean, there's always a reason for that. Send some. Well, the reason um, um, also could be, you know, back in the day, oral tradition can be very unreliable. So when you tell one person a, a story, mm-hmm. by the time he gets there, ah, it's embellished it. <laughs> ah, you know, while God that, you know, this and that. So by the time there are some people going together, um, it, it can bring some balance two, to two, it. Two or yeah. three, yeah? To, to make... What they are saying, in fact. Yes. Okay. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Question eight: In a situation where you are good at your work, and in turn they are trying to take you for granted, and trying to do as they please, what do you do then? What do you do? What? Then. Let me read the question again. In a situation where you are good at your work, and in turn they take you for granted, and do as they please, what do you do? This question, is, is it part of the, it's not part of the study? Yes, but I, it's, it's something that <laughs> the person probably struggling with. So okay. let's, let's aside quickly, very yeah. fast. Something that, okay. um, so what you do is you would, you would um, work as unto the Lord. You, you work as unto the Lord. It's good to have people around you that appreciate you, but when you don't, you need to understand that you are actually working for God. And we've done a whole teaching on that. You are actually working for God. You can be working in ministry, you can be working in, in a bank, you can be working in a telco, wherever you're working. It is actually unto God. So until God moves you forward, or to open another door for you to leave the place, if that's his will, you continue to serve as though you're serving God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Question nine. Please uh, share practical ways on how to apply common sense 
and spiritual sense in our today's world because some days it feels like common sense doesn't work. <laughs> Pastor, are you, are you talking about that shit? Well, go ahead, Pastor Dina. I think first of all, we should know, do we know what is common sense? We need to know what common sense is. There are just some things that God is not coming to do for you. The, you know, things that God will not do for you. God will do only what he will do. And he expects us to do what we should do. And I think that's common sense. Common sense is actually um, engaging your thoughts, like I said earlier. Engaging your mind. You want to, you, you have been praying. You have been praying and praying. You have been praying. We have even entered fasting now. You are coming every day, everything. You are praying to God. Father, I want a job. I need a job. Okay. Simple CV you don't have. So you are expecting God to come and write your CV. You know? I mean, you can relate it to a, a lot of other things. You know? You are, you are praying and you are believing God for so many things. When you pray, it's not just a, a one-sided kind of communication. When you pray, God speaks. So you should be praying and you should be receiving instructions. Say, oh, Father, this and this and this and this. What would you have me do? How would you have me do this? Wait on him. He will give you instruction. Somebody, um, somebody just called me today and said, oh, there's something that she has been, you know, trying to do all this while, you know, that, you know, that God just put her in my, in my mind that call, call Nina, you know. And there and then I gave her a phone number and she has solved her problem. So she could have been praying, 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 praying. God is speaking, calling her. Call, uh, yeah. Let me finish praying, praying, praying. God is speaking. When we come to God sincerely, God is speaking. So let's be attentive. Let's know. We, we shouldn't spiritualize everything. We are spiritualizing everything. You can't be spiritualizing, typing your CV. You have to put in the, the work, you know. I, was, I had to do something yesterday, you know. I was just all tired, tired you know. Husband said, you have to put in the hours. When I heard that in hours, that means not one hour, it's not two hours. I just adjusted my chair. I actually, I actually sat down for like four, four hours. But by the time I stood up, the prayer where they pray was answered now. So, there are things we have to, we must do it. And God, the thing is that God has given us the grace. He has given us the strength. But we need to plug in and trust him. Amen. I hope Amen. I got it, sir. Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> hard to say anything in addition to that. Probably would be to the person there shouldn't be a conflict between spiritual sense and common sense. It's not, we are not choosing one or the other. We have the two, you know, just like Pastor Nina said, there are just some things God will not do for you. 
Elisha was there, he could do the spiritual sense, he could do the miraculous act, but they still had to grab it. You can be standing there and say, oh, let it float towards me. No, <laughs> grab it. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, so would... Question 10. Can a Christian own a hotel? Is it for me? <laughs> Papi. I'm, en I'm enjoying this uh, question answer. Yeah, oh, Papi. Shoot. <laughs> I, I think I think that the religious mindset makes us worry about things that we should not worry about. You know, sometimes people are so religious they 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 worry about what they should not worry about. Let me ask you a question: Should Christians own properties, rental properties? Mm -hmm. So. A Christian can hold, I mean, 10 blocks of flats. Is that, is that true? Is that, is that in order? Yes. So you rent out your flat. The person that is in the flat, his business is to be sleeping with committing fornication. How is that your business? It's not your business. Could you, could you now take a police and be checking everybody in your flat? Oh, hope you are not watching porn in this house. Hope, hope you are not, uh, you hope you are only watching TBN or Christian channel. Hope you are tuning to Tribe. No, it's a business. <laughs> it's a legal business. You have, you are renting out space, rent out the space and just move away. If the person comes there and do praise and worship, praise God. If the person comes there and do Bible study, praise God. If the person brings a girl there or brings a man there, it's not your business. I, I hope I'm sounding like a pastor. <laughs> because, because, you know, because, because if you don't know where to draw the line, you, you are going to, you are going to, um, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. Okay, someone says that. Um, I, I, I want to think in this kind of way. Then, who is your employer, for instance? You work in a bank. Who is your employer? Let's say your employer is an idol worshiper. Do you know that? Do you know the idol is bowing to? But he's paying your salary. You better do your work, take your salary, and just move away. It's not your business. Now, if God opens the door for you to preach Christ, preach it. If because of your influence as a child of God, God changes him, praise God. If you are wise enough to choose a Christian CEO, praise God. But I don't, I think it would be foolish for you to say, I'm not going to work for that person because he's a Muslim. What does that mean? Or I'm not, I'm not going to employ that person because he's a Muslim. That doesn't mean anything. You don't, you don't say, oh, because this person is not a Christian, I'm, going to, I'm not going to employ him. You'll be shocked that some people, not all, some people that say they're Christians, they're the one that will defraud you the most. Yeah. So you, 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 when you are operating... You operate on principles. You don't, you don't get religious on it. Uh, uh, Pastor Nina, I hope that answers your question. I think it's perfect, sir. Perfect. 
Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. Final question for the evening. Are you serious? Question 11, yes. Don't call what God has created unclean from Peter's vision. Does that mean that humans are free to eat whatever God has created? Well, um, I'm just thinking, like, what came to my mind, you know, it's not about the actual eating, you know, because even um, the Word of God says it's not what we eat that defiles us. So it's what comes out of us that actually defiles us. So I don't, I don't know, I don't see it as what's just the food that you're eating, that's what's going to defile you. So, Papi. Yes, it just in addition to what you have said. That doesn't mean you can eat a human being. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you can't say yes, that. Yes, can um, They said you can eat anything God has created. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's the question. Can I, uh, you know? No, not human being, no. Yeah, anything God has yeah, created. talking of rats or something like that. <laughs> in some places, rats are delicacies. In some places, snakes are delicacies. In some places, dogs are delicacies, mm -hmm. you know? So, but, you know, yeah. That's it. I think it's true, eh? Oh, thank God. All right, thank you very much, Debbie. So, thank you very much, Pastor. It has been an interesting evening. Well, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Nina. Well done. Thank you, um, Father, we thank you. As, as we go, we ask that your presence will go with us. Make the crooked places straight before us. Make in pieces the gate of brass. Cut in sunder the bars of iron. Father, give unto us the treasures of darkness, the hidden riches of sacred places, and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so it is and shall be in Jesus' amazing name. We have prayed. Amen. Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.